Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you Nebraska Baseball. Catch our live coverage as the Huskers meet the Indiana Hoosiers on the Diamond at Hawks Field at Haymarket Park in Lincoln. Watch Friday, May 10th at 6 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. In motion, a handoff, however. Breaking tackles, 40, midfield, Jayden Blue, one man to beat. The 40, the 30, say goodnight to this one. Jayden Blue, 69 yards with a house call. Kicks this one off, and uh, this one is going to be fielded at the five-yard line by Robinson. Up center of field, 20, 25, breaks through to the 40, the 50, he's got one man to beat. Outside to the 35, broke a tackle, say goodnight. Wrapping up hour number two here on Herd Out Sports Radio on AM 590 ESPN Omaha and ESPN Tri-Cities. We are joined now by Joe Cook of Inside Texas. He covers Texas football for On3 Sports. Joe, how are you this morning? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Hey, good morning, Thank Joe. you for joining us. I, you know, Joe, I want to start with a big picture question because I know we're going to get into some of the nitty gritty of what's going on this season for Texas. But I'm just curious, how much different is the feeling around Steve Sarkeesian than it was just a year ago today? Oh, there's there's so much more confidence. And I, and I think Texas fans last year were pretty – they were pleased with the direction it was going. I have an opinion that I've held uh, because I've seen a lot of year ones of, of coaching staffs at mm-hmm. Texas – uh, that year ones are always difficult. There's new offenses, new defenses. Uh, you have the you add in the transfer portal now, and there's so much change to where you're you're just kind of scrambling. And you know, I'm thinking back. <clears throat> Charlie Strong six and six in his first year of regular season. Tom Herman uh, seven and five. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian five and seven. Now that doesn't mean that there were problems during a five game losing streak. But five game, but first years are difficult, and so last year he goes eight and four. Um, every game that he lost was close. Uh, there weren't any blowouts, um, and you know you, he was working with a redshirt freshman quarterback who was tremendously inexperienced, though talented, in Quinn Ewers, uh, and you know, but there, you could still see signs of progress. Now, you know, we're we're, we're looking on inside Texas and. Uh, you know, there were times throughout the course of the off, or of the season where it's like, well, what's his contract going to look like when it comes time to 
have an extension talk because that's that's kind of the, the territory he's put himself in. He has changed the conversation, not just around Texas, uh, to where you know there's so much faith in him as a head coach now uh, based off his recruiting exploits, his, his transfer portal exploits, his, you know, having an 11-1 team with a chance to win a conference title, uh, looking like they've got momentum going into the SEC to where you know there are a lot of people really excited about having Sarkeesian as, as head coach, and uh, we'll see uh, what his team's able to do going forward, and you know, especially this Saturday. Joe, uh, I've been seeing a lot on social media after the college football playoff rankings were released. Texas seems to be snubbed a little bit in terms of their ranking, but that, of course, can all change. As we know, uh, the craziest of all scenarios could lead to Texas being a part of the college football playoff this year. How ticked off should Texas be or or even Texas fans be about where they were placed because you know by the looks of it and and, you know how everything is factored it does it does seem like Texas is too far down on the list you know they're they're kind of throughout the course of the year they had been annoyed at being behind Oregon uh, you know, a team that lost only by three up in, at Seattle in, 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 against Washington. They've been annoyed by that. Um, but now when you factor in that Texas beat uh, Texas Tech 57-7, to that's a team that Oregon only defeated by eight, and it took a last-second pick six for it to happen. Like, it, Oregon was a two-point conversion away from losing to Texas Tech. So you, you factor in a head-to-head win or not a head-to-head, but a common opponent victory. Uh, In the Oregon equation, you know, there's one annoyance. They've been annoyed all season about that. Um, You then factor in the fact that, uh, you know, Ohio State, who not only lost but is not competing for a conference championship this weekend, they remained ahead of Texas. Uh, And and Texas, of all the the one-loss teams, was the one not chosen to move up. Uh, they're doubly annoyed. I, I get the Oregon frustration. Luckily, that's going to sort itself out um, unless, you know, there's like a 3-2 game or something like that that goes down in, in the Pac-12 title where it's like there is no winner, there is no loser. We know that's not going to happen. The, one of the Pac-12 schools is going to get knocked out of the equation. Uh, one of the big, or, you know, in, in the, that, that takes care of one spot. Ohio State isn't playing this weekend. If Texas wins, they're going to have 12 wins, and Ohio State's only going to have 11. I think the math is pretty simple there. I think what Texas needs is for you know Michigan to take care of business, uh, for Georgia to probably take care of business, uh, and then for Florida State to get upset by uh, uh, Louisville. Uh, and, of course, this is all assuming Texas uh, defeats Oklahoma State. Now, I think things do honestly get tricky if Alabama does beat Georgia, because you're then you're factoring in a couple different things. How far does Georgia fall? Would they fall completely out of the top five? Uh, we saw with you know with Ohio State, they only fell what four places to number six. Uh, would that mean they go they go to number five? Would that be enough for Alabama to to jump Texas even with the head to head win? So uh, there's a lot going on here, but I think. Uh, the, the the clearest path to the playoff for Texas is obviously defeating Oklahoma State Saturday at 11 a.m. Um, and then Florida State falling to the Louisville Cardinals in the ACC title. 
Now, Joe, shouldn't it be remembered, though, that going back to that Oregon-Texas Tech game that Tyler Shove was playing, and the, when Texas played Texas Tech, they had a second or third stringer in at quarterback? Uh, that second or third stringer didn't give up 57 points, and I'm going to be kind of honest with you. I don't think highly of Tyler Shook. He's been made of glass for his whole career, dating back to when he was at Oregon. Uh, so Joey McGuire making that call. Uh, was a, a little bit of a, you know, a, an interesting one, uh, and one that obviously hadn't worked. Um, I would, I would if it were a close game, but when the margin's 50 points, like I, I think you can, you can maybe throw some of that out the window. Mm. Joe, I'm curious uh, about, and this is more big picture than about this year, but about the Texas quarterback position. Obviously, you got Quinn Ewers there. He's uh, committed to coming back next year. Um, I guess with uh, with Murphy and obviously with Manning there, is there, I mean, is there any concern that maybe Manning is a miss considering he couldn't even get the backup job, or is that something because of how well the season's gone that hasn't even been thought about that much yet? Zero concern on that. Um, Malik Murphy uh, has been he, he he's been a he's a bright prospect, got a big arm. Um, but he's just been injury prone. Uh, he was injury prone in high school. He was injury prone as a third stringer last year, and he's been injury prone this year, even though in the times when he was a starter. Uh, I think Steve Sarkeesian, you know, gave him the opportunity, or rather, Malik Murphy earned the opportunity to be the backup, thanks to having knowledge in the system and uh, having a little bit more, you know, Monday through Friday college football experience in Arch Manning. Um, and I don't think that ever caused a, a single issue. Um, Murphy got banged up, I think, to, to speak to his injury proneness. He got banged up when two Texas football players blocked a Tech player completely out of that 95-yard kickoff return yard playing and into the sidelines. Somehow he got banged up then. <laughs> and that's why Arch Manning <clears throat> was able to make his debut because well, quarterback two just went down. Now it's time to put in quarterback three, and that just happens to be uh, Peyton and Eli's nephew. So um, I, I don't think there's any concern about that. I, I think, um, you know, I, I not not to say that Texas is going to be completely immune from, you know, what happens with quarterbacks just because everything's gone hunky-dory throughout the whole season. But I don't think that means anything happening to to Arch Manning. I think Cooper and, and the family and Steve Sarkeesian have all been in, in consistent contact and uh, there's been no stink made. I think everybody understands this, this process and uh, understands that developing, especially after Arch came from a pretty small school in New Orleans, hmm. is not a bad idea, especially when the SEC is on the horizon. Joe, we talk a lot about this Texas offense, but even just yesterday, Mike Gundy uh, talked about Texas's defensive line and how unique they are and how strong they are. Um, just speak to the Longhorns' defense here and why uh, they're a huge reason today why Texas is in the position they are. The, the Longhorn defensive line can, is, has not been able to be run on all season. Um, you know, Alabama got some, and I think Texas Tech got some, but nothing, nothing consistent. And that means that teams have to – they're forced to try to throw. Um, and the Texas secondary is good enough to where that's not really a you know, repeatable strategy. Um, Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat are two of the more dominant defensive tackles I can remember 
watching while at Texas. Um, Tavondre Sweat's more than likely going to be a first-rounder. Uh, I think he's going to win the Outland Trophy. I think he, he had a good enough game against fellow finalist Cooper BB and is also on a you know better team than Notre Dame's Joe Alt. So well, that's going to factor into the minds of voters, and I think it will be very deserving. Been those two running between the tackles is just teams haven't been able to do it, and that's why Texas has a top-five rush defense. Um, I know that that obviously skews their pass defense and over-skews it sometimes because of uh, poor play in the secondary uh, that Texas has to be mindful of, especially as they're going forward into the next one, two, maybe three games. But it's been those two guys, Sweat and Murphy, have led the way. Joe, as we let you go here, I notice as I'm looking at your Twitter profile, is that an Omaha landmark in your prof- in your uh, background picture there? <laughs> it is. It is. That's that's one of the best pictures I've taken. And I've uh, I made two trips to Omaha. And I had to drive from Austin, Texas to get there. So, Joe, you look great, man. That's a nice, like, 12-, 14-hour trip. It's not terrible there. Uh, Joe, we appreciate your time, and hopefully you'll be back in Omaha again soon. Hey, I would, would love to see it again. Thank you, guys. That's Joe Cook. He writes for uh, Inside Texas of On3Sports. Coming up next, we've got Avery Howard.